Welcome to the Emerging Temple broadcast. I am Michael Obeyer. I will be your guide for the rest of this broadcast. At Emerging Temple, we seek to analyze current events within the context of God's plan for mankind, in which he intends, at the end of time, to raise up a people who will rule with him. Before I go any further, I want to encourage you to like our page, to subscribe to our channel. And if there is a notification bell icon, I'd like you to hit that bell so you can be notified anytime we upload new videos. I want to encourage you to like this page so that we can develop the number of likes that we have so that we can come up in the rankings because we have a message that is critical for this hour and this time. So thank you so much for those of you who are already doing Okay, I was thinking that later on we could continue the book of Romans. Um, I did a little more study on it and I thought I'd share what I had. I put it on a PowerPoint. So that will probably appear in front of you later on. But I think before we go any further, if anyone has something you want to share with us, um, you know, go ahead and take your time. I don't have anything that I can remember. Okay. Nothing, just a question about John. I'm sorry, not John, but Romans. Romans chapter 9, verse okay. 13. Okay. Where it says, as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Yes. I always come across people, you know, that don't understand this verse. Um, and I've never been able to explain it myself. And I was just hoping if you can shed some light on this verse. Okay, what was the verse again? Chapter and verse? Uh, chapter 9, verse 13. Okay. Chapter 9, verse 13. And before that... Uh, if we go back to chapter 12, he did say, forward. yeah, it says, the older shall serve the younger. But then again, then chapter what, what, 13, uh, chapter says, 12 verse what? No, no, she's saying Romans 9, verse 11 and 12. Oh, okay, okay, sorry. No, 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 no not 11, sorry, verse 12 and 13. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, so it says verse 12 with it was said to her, the older shall serve the younger. And then verse 13, it says, as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. And Jacob is the younger and Esau is the older. Yeah. And so it looks like it's a reversal. And plus, the, you know, why was Esau hated? Okay. Shouldn't we also read verse 11? Because that's kind of okay. like the verse, verses 10 and 11 are prefaced to 12 and 13. Okay. So it's all one sentence. Yeah, so 11, say so from, from 10. Okay. Mm -hmm. And not only this, but when Rebecca also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, for the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, 
that the purpose of God according to elect election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. It was said to her, the older shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Amen. Amen. And then, if Belly, if you continue to fourteen and fifteen and sixteen, read that sure. too. Sure. So, what shall we say then is there unrighteousness with god certainly not for he says to moses i will have mercy on whomever i will have mercy and i will have compassion on whomever i will have compassion and six so it is that so it is not of him who wills nor of him who runs but of god who shows mercy For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Therefore he has mercy on whom he wills, and whom he wills he hardens. Okay, right. that, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Okay, do you remember what we, everybody remembers that this is from the same book we read last week, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. And we remember what last week's subject was about. It was about those who are religious, okay, and think they got it made, and they live by the law of God, but because they cannot be perfect, God does not accept them. And then those who are unbelievers, well, We'll use the word unbelievers loosely. Those who are not claiming to be Christian, they're not claiming to be Jews, they're not claiming to be followers of Christ, and they live out in the world, that both of them are condemned to destruction. Isn't that what we read last week? Except, yes. except they do one thing. And what's that one thing? Except Jesus. There you go. So the bad guy in the club, the good guy in the synagogue, as far as God is concerned, there is no difference between them. That's what we read last week, correct? Yes. yes. Okay. So that means whatever Billy has looked at here is building on what we already looked at. And here we're seeing an allegory of Jacob and Esau, okay? What Esau and Jacob have in common is what, everybody? The law. No, no, what, in, in real life, sorry, in the two brothers, well, it's out of the bag. What they had in common was the <laughs> were brothers, okay? Yes. <laughs> All right? Yes. So they were both from the house of God, correct? Yes. They were yes. both children of Isaac, um, grandchildren of Abraham. Yes. 
Okay. But God says, regardless of the efforts put in by anyone, that is, remember where it says, uh, look at verse 16. Chapter 9, verse 16. It yes. is not in he that willeth, right? Yes. No, he that runneth. Now, to will means to put some effort, doesn't it? Yes. To run means to put some effort, doesn't it? Yes. yes. So, so, somebody who's trying to be a Christian, trying to be good, trying to keep the laws of God, trying to do the right thing, all these things, God says, hmm, that's good, but not good enough. Whoever I choose to forgive and to make it with me, that's my choice. Nobody should ask me any questions. I'm God. Now, do any of you have any problem with that? No. No, cut <laughs> no, over it. Oh, come on, be honest, be honest. I know Liz does. <laughs> no, I got, I got yeah. over it. You got over it. <laughs> you figured out yeah, where he's I... the boss. He probably knows a thing or two. <laughs> okay. So, Ebele has taken us far ahead of where we ought to be. Okay? Because there was something that happened between chapters 5 and 8 that you and I didn't read. Okay? We only did chapters 1 to 4, remember? Yes, right, right. And now Bella has taken us to chapter nine. She skipped the other four chapters. What you could have seen in the other four chapters, that's okay. What you have seen in the other four chapters is what we we're going to talk about today. Okay. She actually created a PowerPoint presentation for, right. which you will soon behold. But okay, we can start from there, and maybe we'll build up to this this question. No, no, no. Let's go with the Holy Ghost. This is his. This is issue. So we just go with it as he gives it to us. Okay. You understand? All right. So what we see here is that between somewhere between chapter five and here, those two guys we read about, remember the first guy, group of guys is in chapter one, and we saw another group of guys in chapter two? Right? Mm -hmm. Suddenly, they are now part of the same family. One of them is referred to as Esau, and the other one is referred to as Jacob. Now, of those two groups you and I saw last week, one group in chapter one, the other group in chapter two, which of them came to God first? The Jews in Abraham. There you go. There you go. The people in chapter two. Correct? Liz? Yeah. So, yeah. they would yeah. be older brother. Correct? Yes. Yes. And those who came later would be the younger brothers. Yes. So God is saying that those who came first, who want to relate with him based on the law, he's going to reject them. But those guys who were gay, who were, um, who were whatever, if they come to him by faith, he's not even going to hold that against them. Are you following now? Yes. yes. Now, in other words, 
you and I who have been the goody two-shoes, going to church every Sunday, paying our tithes, doing everything we're supposed to do, all of a sudden, some guy just comes in from the world, he listens to what Brother Mike is saying or what Sister Liz is saying, he actually has the nerve to believe it, suddenly God decides that's his guy. Now, you and I can't take it. Now, who first told this story? If anybody is a good Bible student, who can tell me where a similar story was given by Jesus? The prodigal son. Wow, there you go. Everybody remember the story of the prodigal son, correct? Yes. Yes. Uh, the first son was a good guy. Remember? Yes. His younger brother was a bad guy. Spent all the money with the girls in the city. And at the end, he realized he had wasted his life. And he acknowledged that he wasn't worthy to be called his father's son. Do you notice something there? Yes. Yes. No, but the elder brother, you and I, we feel that we are worthy. We are the ones, you know, we speak in tongues. We cast out the devils. We do all these things. We're the righteous people, right? We don't wear torn jeans. We don't sag our pants. <laughs> we are the people of God. And one day, this younger brother of ours suddenly comes back. And the Bible says, while he was still a long way away, his father saw him and ran to him. How far away do you think you have to be before God can see you? He can see you all the time. The moment you change your mind. Yeah. And notice the father ran to him. It didn't, he didn't say the son ran to the father. Did he say the son ran to the father? No. He no. said the father ran to the son and embraced him and kissed him. And the son fell on his knees and said, Father, I'm not worthy to be called your son because I've sinned against you and against heaven. And the father did something. He took the fatted calf, slew it for his son, and took the ring on his finger and put it where? On the first son? No. no. On the second son. That is a huge story. But it took the Apostle Paul to come and break it down for you and I to understand that it was talking about those who choose to follow God after the law. God's not saying don't keep the law. The first son, God wasn't saying, you know, don't keep the law. He wasn't saying don't be a bad guy. He's saying, but if you're depending on your goodness to give you that sonship relationship with God, it's not going to work. You receive it by faith. So today, there are people in churches all over the world, really good people, yet they have not gotten the ring that God has given you and I. Because we came to God and we dare to believe that in spite of ourselves, God's going to take us to the place he has intended for you and I to be.
we acknowledge we're not right. We acknowledge we're not good. We're not saying, you know, we're good, we're this, we're that. We're not saying we're going to heaven because we're so good guys. We're saying we're going to heaven because that's what God wants. And we believe it. Now, remember last week, Paul warned us and said, hey, does this mean we should continue in sin? Everybody remember that? Yes. yes. Okay. So, the law causes inertia. It weakens you. It stops you from being able to move with God. Because in one aspect, when you keep the law of God, another aspect pops up in your life where you see you fail. So, Jesus decided to come and change the paradigm nail the law to the cross and bring in a new thing called relationship with God through faith. Yet, even after you and I received that relationship with God through faith, we are still hindered by the mind that wants us to live by the law. Every single one of us was raised by a mother and father here. And from childbirth, we're told, don't do this, don't do that. Don't do this, don't do that. Right? Right. Did yes. your mother or right. father ever come to you one day and say, Abracadabra, I give you the power to be everything I want you to be. In other words, now you wake up in the morning, you dress your bed without anybody telling you. Abracadabra, I put this power over you. All of a sudden you do your homework without me telling you to do your homework. Oh, you even wash the dishes without me telling you to wash the dishes. Here's the power. Did anybody get that from our parents? No. No, but we no. did get demands from them. Correct? Right. Yes. So yeah. now, guess what? You and I are acculturated to relate with God the way we relate with our mother and father. Now God says, you guys remember I told Moses, thou shalt not steal? Well, then I was telling Moses not to steal. Today, when I say thou shalt not steal to a belly, I'm saying to a belly, I promise you, belly, by the time I'm done with you, you will never steal. Do you get the difference, everybody? Yes. Yes. There's a difference between the law and there's a difference between, between the law and the difference between the life. Okay? And we're going to see that. So let, let me pull this up. Okay, do you have something you want to say? No. Okay. Let's, um, let's see. I think you covered it because I was looking at it from the point of verse 11, where he says that for the children being not yet born, he's talking about the twins, Jacob and Esau, yes. neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. So he's saying that, you know what? before these two guys were even born that he decided who he was going to choose and who he was not going to and it all fits into his purpose exactly so that it hates that god loved jacob but esau have i hated he's saying that he chose jacob and he rejected esau it's not like you and i hating each other it's not that it's that and Esau, remember the Bible describes Esau as a hard working man. Everybody remember he was a hairy, burly guy. Yes. That worked hard. And remember, Jacob was this guy that just hung around. His mother even did, you know, would even cook for him to go and give his dad, you know, 
He was so lazy, he couldn't even cook the food to give his dad. You remember? Right. Yes. And in Malachi, I've got to find where it is in Malachi. It points By the way, out real quick question. Is my screen, is everybody seeing my screen, please? Sorry. Yes. Okay, thank you. It says the inertia of the law, correct? Correct. Yes. All right, thanks. Go ahead, Kay. In Malachi, this, this verse 13 in Romans 9, is a re, re it's a retread of malachi but in malachi it points out that he's talking about their inheritance and what you know who he's chosen and this is like so, fantastic in malachi so, so, so the word the word hatred there isn't really that you know it's not literal like i hate you the way we like we hate people no exactly hate. exactly is, it is, is it's you're right it's not the person is referring to he's mm. not referring here to the physical jacob nor the physical esau mm. he's referring to the attributes that he does not like he does not like the attribute of trying to be right to trying to be righteous i know how it sounds it sounds it sounds counterintuitive mm. yes yeah. and you would you would yeah. think God likes people who are trying to be right, correct? Yes. But he's saying no, he doesn't. He says, because you are nullifying the suffering I went through for you. You're negating the three days or the two days I spent in hell for you. And worst of all, you're negating the power of my Holy Spirit who is sent here to lift you up to where I would have you be. You're trying to do it for yourself. Like those um, um, guys in the book of Genesis who said, look, let's not be scattered upon the earth. Let us build ourselves a tower to get to heaven. You all remember that? Yes. Yes. Do you think they could have ever built a tower to reach heaven? No. No. So don't you think it was the mercy of God to help them stop their madness? <laughs> <laughs> the Tower of Babel is the same story again of trying to be right with God by your own efforts. Okay? Right. Yes. Now. Amen. Amen. This, so, this is huh. where he emphasizes that yes. we need training. Sorry? I said this is where he emphasizes that we all need training. And once we learn, we have to pass it on to our children, our children's children. Can you, can you break that down for us a bit more? Well, if we don't know these things that we're studying right now, our children are going to miss out because they don't hear it from us. Yes. yes. They, do not, they do not know about the right standing with, with God and how they need to be changed. Uh, I think many times when we get our salvation, we, we hold it so close that we forget what our responsibilities to the generations to come under us is. We, get, we make the generations under us think it was something we earned. Right. It was something they have to earn. Don't do this, don't do that. Don't do this, don't do that. Oh, how dare you do a thing like that? And God says, no, 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 that's not my way. Just ask me for help and I'll come. 
Now, my grandmother was not what you'd call religious, but she went to church, sang in the choir, and knew her Bible backwards and forwards. And she would always say, it is written. Yes. And, and we knew that was going to be a lecture where we all had to pull out our Bibles and go find it. So we, we listened. Yes. And it, everybody now, has their own way, but that yes. still now, resonates. That is fine. Remember, remember, that's what parents are for. That's what that your parents, when you're a child, parents, the Bible says when we were children, we were under the law. Okay. Please turn to the book of Romans, okay? Okay. The Romans. Okay. Uh, Romans chapter, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Did I say Romans? I meant Galatians. I apologize. Okay. Galatians. Which chapter? Chapter four. Amen. Okay, so we read verse 1 to 5. Amen. 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 Sorry, we can't hear Kay anymore. Okay, no, I was waiting for everybody to get there because I heard pages still turning. Okay. Galatians is right after 2 Corinthians. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Amen. I think uh, somebody else should read that also in another version. Well, I have a new Bible now, but I have mostly the version you all have. Okay. Liz, what version do you have? Um, the old King James. Okay, so it's the same thing. Okay, everybody I has the same. Has something different. No, okay, I have, but... I have New King James. Okay, so... read the New King James for us then. Okay, now I say that the heir is sorry. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Amen. 
Amen. Did you notice Paul said, in your Christian life, at one point, God allowed you to be under the law. Yes. Do you understand? Yes. yes. The pastor yes. told you you must pay your tithes. The pastor told you you must attend Friday night prayers. Etc. 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 But now, today, in the lives of every single one of us on this call, we now know that we do not need to do those things to be at peace and in favor with God. What do we need Man. to do to be in peace and in favor with God? Accept the son. But we already did. Notice Paul said when we were children. Don't you see that there? Yes. Verse one. We're heirs. We're children. When we were in the world, we were not children. Hello? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. When, you were, when you were in the world, you were not a child of God. Mm. This verse, this four, five verses you just read is not talking about when you got born again. It's talking about something that happened to you after you were born again. Because when you're born again, you become a child of God. Am I correct? Yes. yes. So he's talking yeah. about when we reach maturity in the word. When you reach maturity in the word, which is where you are now, that's why you can hear this message and understand it. Amen. 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 So prior to now, you were kept under tutors and servants. Another day, I'm going to teach them who the servants are and who the tutors are. Okay? I'm a servant to you. I'm a teacher to you. You're a servant to me. You're a teacher to me. But if you have started getting clarity inside of yourself of what you think ought to be, and you can correspond what you believe with the word of God, you have now entered into what Paul referred to as sonship. You see that in verse five? Yes. Yes. A child is different from a son. Yes. A child is different from a son. S-O-N. Yes. Okay. So the Bible says, and the child Jesus grew until he was age 30. And on the day he was age 30, around the age 30, of sound, a voice came from heaven and said, this is my beloved what? Son. Son. 30 stands for what, everybody? Who remembers? Anyway, when you buy my book, you will know. Maturity. <laughs> Who said maturity? K. Oh, okay, Dr. K. All right. <laughs> okay. So maturity, the 30 was the age Joseph was when he became prime minister in Egypt, correct? Yes. What age was David when he became king? 30. 30. And what age was Jesus when he began his ministry? 30. 30. 30. It's not a coincidence that the Bible tells us their ages at that time. Okay? Now, it's not a, for you and I, it's not a literal 30. 
there's a spiritual 30 years of age that you and I are entering into now. And once we enter into it, we become sons. We're no longer controlled by the inertia of the law. Amen. The law stifles you. It, in, if you remember to pay your tithes, you forgot to do this one. If you forgot to do that one, you forgot to, if you remember to do that one, you forgot to do this one. You can never please God by keeping the law. And if you don't please God, you cannot have peace with God. Hello? Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's go back and fill the gaps that we missed before we came to this place where we are now. That's, That's my fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> Romans chapter 4, verse 14 to 16. Anyone can read. What are we looking at? Romans chapter 4, verse 14 to 16. Amen. 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 Abraham is justified by faith. What then shall we say of Abraham, our ancestor, according to the flesh? Certainly, on, if Abraham was justified... Hold on, we're saying Romans 14. Oh, 14. Yeah. I'm sorry, sorry, I'm, I apologize. Romans 4, verse 14 to 16. Romans 4. Romans chapter 4, verse 14 to 16. If only the law, if only those who observe the law are heirs, then faith becomes an empty word, and the promise loses its meaning. Indeed, if the law serves only to bring down wrath, for wherefore there is no law against the, no transgression. Hence, all depends on faith. Everything is Hold grace. On. Hold on. Sorry, could you read from verse 14 again? Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. I, I, I was. Okay. Yeah. If, if only those who observe the law are heirs, then faith becomes an empty word and the promise loses its meaning. Indeed, the law serves only to bring down wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Hence, all depends on faith, everything is grace. Thus, the promise holds true for all Abraham's descendants, not only for those who have the law, but for all who have his faith, for he is the father of all. Amen. So those good guys who do the right thing, they pay their tithes, they do all these things, God says, cool, as long as you have faith in Jesus Christ. But if you don't have faith in Jesus Christ, you do all those things, it's a waste of effort. The person who doesn't do those things but has faith in Jesus Christ is acceptable to God. So Paul is saying here, those who want to keep the law, fine, but make sure you have faith in Jesus Christ. But remember, he says, that the law causes what? Transgression. Yeah. Verse 15. Do you see that? Yes. Yeah. What does, the, what does it say, verse 15? The law worketh wrath. Wrath, correct? Yes. So when you come to fellowship and I say, and I quote the Bible to you and I say, Deuteronomy chapter this verse that says this. Once I throw that at you, what have I thrown at you? The law. 
And what comes with the law? Wrath. Wrath. I don't know if you're following here. I, I mean, I, 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 if, if you see anything different from what I'm saying, please speak up. Uh, Brother Mike, I found that um, verse in Malachi. <coughs> Malachi chapter 1, verses one through verses 2 through 5. Yes. Amen? Amen. I have loved you, saith the Lord. Yet you say, where <coughs> Wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I loved Jacob, and I hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Whereas Edom saith, we are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, they shall build, but I will throw down, and they shall call them the border of wickedness. And the people against whom the Lord hath indignation forever. And your eyes shall see, and you shall say, The Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. And the reason why I brought this up is because to me, what God is saying is okay, you're doing whatever you want to do, trying to build yourself up, but I'm going to tear it down. And then I will rebuild you back up so that, um, that I will be magnified. That, that um, it's not of our own, it's not in our own power that we become in right standing with God. And Very good. So the principle, the principle is still there. But yes. that's the Old Testament. The reason we don't want to go there now and the reason we're staying with the New Testament is because once we, once, once we have our foundation right, we can better interpret the Old Testament. Do you understand? Right. But I was saying with Abeli's original question that when Paul was brought that passage of Scripture up in Romans, he was thinking that people already knew what was said before about that. Of course. That. Of course. He was quoting this Scripture you just quoted. Yes. And he was explaining to us what it meant. So yes. once you know what it means, you can discover the scripture tomorrow. It doesn't matter. You can find it. Say, oh, that's what that was. That was I mean, that place Paul was quoting. You understand? Yeah. But today, you need to understand the thought process of the kingdom. Once you understand the thought process of the kingdom, you can go back into the Old Testament. And begin to understand what the laws actually mean. Do you understand? At this stage, people study the laws. Okay, for example, God told Moses that they should offer a lamb that had no spot or any blemish. Correct? Right. Yes. What does right. that mean? What does that mean? Purity. Of course, but it, it, for you and right. I, what does what that mean? Bring was best. Yes, of course, but for you and I, obviously you and I are not taking any goats or lambs to offer God today. So how does that apply to you and I today? Jesus is the lamb. Yeah, but he says not without one, not without, sorry, one without spot or blemish. What does that mean? 
It's not okay to just say Jesus was the lamb. We everybody knows Jesus was the lamb. Well, what Jesus does that mean? Was, Jesus had no he Jesus was without sin. He didn't Yes, we know sin. that. Well, you asked what was without spot or without blemish. Yeah, but remember was, was Jesus made, okay. Remember he says you bring a ewe lamb, correct? Mm -hmm. yes. A ewe lamb is female. Yes. He also said you bring a male lamb, a ram. Neither should have spot or blemish. The question then is, what does that mean? We know Jesus is the, is the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. But what does it mean when the scriptures say, bring a lamb without spot or blemish? He wants them to be pure in thought and mind so he can now be properly taught. There you go. But which of us now is pure in thought and mind? After we're redeemed. Which of us today, which of us on this call right now would say we are pure in mind and thought? Nobody. Probably all of us are working towards it. Yeah, exactly. But we're not pure in mind and thought. A work in progress. We're still a work in progress. Working towards it. So what God is preparing you and I for is to become a lamb that is without spot or blemish. It looks impossible right now, but God says he can do it. And he's working on it. Now, that's a diversion from where we're trying to head to today. But I just thought I'll bring it up as an example of the difficulty of trying to teach the Old Testament without the right foundations. Let's, yeah. take, a look at, let's take a look at the next book, which is Romans 7, verses 1 to 4. You want to be read? Oh, yes, please. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which has a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Amen. So Paul says, hey guys, I know you all understand one thing, that a woman who's married is bound to her husband for as long as he is alive. Correct? Yeah. Yes. He says, yeah. now I want to use that as an example to you concerning your relationship to the law. While the law was in control, you were bound to the law. 
But now that the law has been abolished and nailed to the cross, you are free to marry someone else. That's what you read, correct? Yes. Now, I just said, now that the law is abolished and nailed to the cross, you're free to marry someone else. Can anyone quote for me any scripture in the New Testament that supports what I just said? The giveaway word there is abolish. You're not talking about Matthew one twenty one, are you? No. What does Matthew one twenty one say? And she shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Oh uh, no, that's not talking about the law. Okay. Let's go to the book of Colossians. Colossians. Chapter 2. Amen. Amen. Verse 13 to 15. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 to 15. Okay, so not Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15. Okay. You found one in Ephesians? Yes, Ephesians. We can look at that after this one. Okay. Colossians 2? Yeah, 13 to 15. Amen. Amen. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, happy quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it let All right. him, no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of any holy day or of the new moon or of the sabbath days amen so jesus has nailed the everybody know what an ordinance is correct yeah Sorry? another law law correct these are laws ordinances are laws so here he's saying that Jesus has nailed the ordinances, the laws which were contrary to us. Do you notice what it says, contrary? Yes. All right? Good. So now he's nailed them. And by taking away the law, guess who else lost power against you, Liz? Satan. The devil. There you go. Look at it right there in verse 15. Do you see that? Abella, do you see that? Yes, I do. Demonic powers, satanic powers, angelic, negative angelic beings, forces, they're different kinds, have their power over you based on your law consciousness. 
Did you hear what I said? Yes. Yes. Okay, can somebody explain to me what I just said? I just, please, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I just want to know, I made some sense. So sin makes you, no, sorry, the law, as, as was said in Romans, the law. Your, 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 your regard for the law. Your regard for the law actually makes you sin. Because if there was no law, then there would, there would be no sin. Absolutely. If God hadn't said, don't eat of the fruit, there would have been no sin. Mm -hmm. There was nothing wrong with the fruit. The problem yeah. was God said, don't eat from it. Yeah. yeah. But notice but what it's saying in verse 15, though. That, that it's what, that's the important thing I want to get to because this has a lot to do with your health and a lot of things you go through emotionally. You've got to understand what he just said here in verse 15 and how that affects you and I. Okay. Okay, in verse 15, when he says, having spoiled principalities and powers, we had studied some time back that the, the angels are there to enforce the law. There so, you go. Exactly. And if you don't keep the law, what do they do? They hit you. Yes. But now what, happened, what can they do to you if you have no law to keep? Nothing. Exactly. A lot of the sickness and disease and cancer and all these things that you and I have comes from a wicked conscience, comes from a sense of having done something wrong. Hello? All yes. right. All right. Amen. Know the, the, what you just heard. Say again. I don't know if you really understand what you just heard. When he says there, he abolished the law, the very next statement was that that disarmed principalities and powers. How does abolishing the law affect the, the, the fallen angels and demons? There must be a connection between the fallen angels and the law. Because they're always there to make you break the law, isn't it? No, they're always no, they're there. They're always there to... accusing you of breaking they're the law. They're always there to accuse you of violating the law. Yeah. So Jesus said, well, that's it. I'm not having that anymore. I'm getting rid of the law for my people. You can use the law on the others, but my people are getting them out of this. So you are struggling with a health condition, but you don't know it's actually connected to your state of your heart and conscience, even today. A health condition that you had 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, came about as a consequence of your sin consciousness. When the law is taken away from your life, you begin to lose sin consciousness. When you lose sin consciousness, you lose the consciousness of death. If you lose the consciousness of death, you obviously have lost the consciousness of disease. That's powerful. That's what you just read.
That's why in the book of Hebrews, the Bible says the, 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 the commandments were given to Moses via the angels. But God has sent his son to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Powerful. Okay? Yes. All right. So, sorry, let's go back to Romans. And we want to take a look at Romans chapter 8. This is going to be a long one, verses 1 to 15. So maybe we want to split it between two people. So somebody can read um, verse 1 to 10, and then somebody else can read 11 to 15. Do you know your slide is blurry? It looks really good from here. It just all of a sudden gotten blurred. Oh, really? Okay, so it's probably fine on the recording. Okay. We're having a lot of turbulence in the signal, so I thought it was just me. Probably being on the mountain. Yes. Okay. So, who's reading for us? Verses 1, to 10, and from I will. Okay, 1 to 10, Mom. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, out of the spirit, out, Stop. but Stop. after Stop. the spirit. Stop. What does he mean by the flesh? It means the law. Okay. Yeah. Right. I want you to, everybody in your mind, replace that word flesh there with the law. Okay? Okay. Okay. You'll see it as you go further. Sorry, ma'am. Go ahead. That's okay. I'm writing it down in the Bible. For the law of the spirit. Uh -huh. Did you see that? There it is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, good. There you go. Continue. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, not to be spiritually minded is, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, okay. Neither indeed can be. That means some people are trying with their human mind to be lawful with God. And Paul is saying here, these guys are waging a fruitless battle. Do you see the context, everybody? Uh -huh. Yes. He's saying, look, it cannot happen. You can keep trying, but it's not going to happen. These are good people trying to keep the law of God. 
in the carnal mind. In the carnal mind just means the natural mind. Doesn't mean something negative. Just means your natural mind. And you said before that in six, where it says to be carnally minded, that's uh, legally minded or exactly minded. Exactly. To be legalistic and ritualistic is what Paul is referring to here. Okay. Go on, mom. Verse eight. Yes. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So what were they trying to do? Keep the they law. thought they were trying to please him. They were trying to please God. You don't try to please God by sinning. You try to please God by doing something good. And Amen. Paul said, no, this is carnally mindedness. But when you go to churches today, they quote this scripture as though it means going to the club and doing this and doing that. No, it's talking about trying to be good. God loves people being good. He just doesn't want you to think that's going to earn you any brownie points with him. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> God is not saying we shouldn't be good. God is not saying we shouldn't support the church. God is not saying any of these things. He's saying, please don't believe that any of these things in and of themselves are going to make you worthy of me. You are worthy of me because you believe in my son, Jesus Christ. End of story, period, full stop. And by the way, do all these good things. As long as you understand that they're just extras, I'm happy with them. But if you're thinking they're the main cause, you've got a problem with me. All right. Go ahead, mom. Verse 9, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit, Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Amen. Hey, Liz, can you take her from verse 11? On number 11, if the, spirit, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will bring your, moral, your mortal bodies to life also through his spirit dwelling in you. We are debtors then, my brothers, but not to the flesh, that we should live according to the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the spirit you put to death in the evil deeds of the body, you will live. Keep going. Yes. The sons of God. The sons of God through adoption. All who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. You did not receive the spirit of slavery leading you back into fear, but a spirit of adoption through which we cry out, Abba, and that is Father. The Spirit Amen. himself gives For you, Verse 15 says, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to what? Fear. There you go. Do you remember what happened to the children of Israel on the day God gave them the Ten Commandments on the mountain? Everybody remember? They were fearful. They were fearful. There you go. That's exactly what we got it 100%. You don't even have to stay for the rest of this broadcast. You can leave now. You got the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> they were fearful. 
That's why he says he used the word again. You notice he said again. That means there was one time when you received something from God and you were free because it was the commandment. It was the law. He said, but now you are receiving his spirit, his essence, his nature, so that you will be like God, wanting those things God wants and hating those things God hates just because it's your nature. Amen. 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 That's what this is all about. Okay. All right. I don't think we need to look at Galatians 2 because we went ahead and look at, looked at it earlier. Correct? Yes. Okay. I think I'll stop here and then maybe, you know, if we have questions and we want to continue the teaching in some direction, you know, we can, can go ahead. No, I think that when you had taken us into, um, let's see, where did you take us? Galatians, when you took us into Galatians, that was the best place. To Galatians 2.11, right? Right, that, that was the best place to look at um, the abolishing of the law, but the actual, where they talks about abolishing the law. Oh, okay, you know what? We didn't read that. We read Colossians 2. Colossians 2, but it was uh, Ephesians, Ephesians, um, where they talk about abolishing the law, but in Colossians, they do a better job of explaining it. Yes. Why don't we look at Galatians 2, 11 to 21, since we didn't read it, and I just noticed it's here. I don't know. Abilic, do you have that? Galatians 2, 11 to 21. One. Okay. Galatians right after Corinthians. Yeah, okay. Uh, amen. 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 Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. When they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with the hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you, being a Jew, live in the manner of the Gentiles and not as the Jews. Why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? Who, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not just- We who are at chapter two, not the people in chapter one. Do you guys notice that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Go yeah. on. We who are Jews by nature and not sinners, of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, or by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, 
Is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, for I through the law died to the law, that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, Christ died in vain. Read the last verse again, please. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Oh, Lord, that just sounds like music in my ear. <laughs> if righteousness can come by the law, then Christ died in vain. Oh. End of story. I don't want to hear anymore. <laughs> just like, no more. There's nothing to say anymore. Liz, is there anything else to say? No. No. We're free. We are free. Everything that we owed any human being has been paid. Any wrong that we did to anybody is forgiven. Not just what we did to God, what we did to our neighbors, what we did to our spouses, what we did to our friends, what we did to our brother, our sister. It's forgiven. It's new. It's fresh. It's a new day. It never happened. It never happened. That's what Christ means. We're free. Who believes what I just said? I believe it. Amen. I do. That's what God is saying. Amen. That's why it's called gospel. Does anybody here know what gospel means? Good news. Sorry. Good news. Exactly. Imagine you just sat down here and they say they're forgiving your student loans. You're not going to believe it. It's too good to be true. Why? I didn't earn, I, I didn't suffer enough. Please, I need to suffer more to be sure that I've been forgiven. We cannot believe that we're free. We still want to do something for God. God says, fine, I do what you want, but don't do what you do for me thinking it's going to earn you one inch in height with me. Can we look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 through um, 16? Sure. Go ahead. Ephesians this supports what you just Ephesians said. Ephesians is right after Galatians. All right. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Okay. You want me to read? Sure. Amen. 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 But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, 
for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might re reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you, which were afar off unto them that were nigh. Is that it? Yes. Amen. I this think that's saying one. exactly what you just said. Yeah. That it's by his blood. Yeah. That's what freed us, not the law. So now we have peace, right standing with him. Notice that this is in every single book in the New Testament. If Amen. Every single book, what, what we've been reading since last week, if you go to the book of Hebrews, it might be a different flavor, but it's the same thing. If you go to the book of First and Second Peter, it might be a different flavor, but it's the same thing. Your power comes from knowing that you are all right with God with your imperfection. Amen. 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 That's what this is all about. A lot of us are going through things because when we look at ourselves, we think, why do I have this negative thought? Why did I behave like this? Why did I talk like that? I can't believe after all this time, I thought I was a Christian. I, I will still use such foul words. And then we retreat into our little corner like a wet puppy. Now, we're more than conquerors, Paul said. Paul went as far as saying, when I am weak, then am I strong. Think about that. Mm -hmm. There was yeah. an old man who, who used to, who, late now, used to be my teacher. And he said to me, he said, those times you feel furthest away from God are the times you are closest to God. And he says, check your Bible and you'll see it. And I checked my Bible. I discovered every time God appeared to people, they always told God to go away, please. They're, sin they're sinners. They're horrible. They're worthless. <laughs> it's biblical. Those yeah. times you think you're the worst from God are actually times you're closest to God. Because you see the holiness of God and you know in yourself there's no power to be what God wants you to be. But your friends are out there doing their best to win favor from God. Trying to earn from God. Putting all their effort in to please God. Building one church cathedral after another. Taking 10% of God's money to give God as though they've done him a favor. Imagine I died for you. And then you make a you make a million bucks and then you give me a hundred thousand. I lost my arm for you. I lost my leg for you. And the only way you can reward me is by giving me 10% of what you have. Have you done anything for me? No. no. The Old Testament people, God didn't die for them. So God was satisfied with 10%. Now God says everything you own is mine. You're my manager. Everything. Everything. I gave my life for you so you could give me everything you're worth. Amen. Everything that you own, you're just my manager. Just a few weeks ago, I was ready to publish the book. And God told me, said, tell the brethren, the book needs to be published. I could publish the book. I was surprised when Dr. K called and said, listen, oh, 
blah, 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 blah. This man really wants me to know he didn't ask me for a dime to do this work. <laughs> Honestly, guys, the day I said that, I really didn't have a problem publishing the book. I just was told, tell the brethren, this book is ready. It's my book and I want it published. And I'm telling you all these things now, brethren, so you believe me. That's how God works. If he's not going to send you on an errand and not provide the means for you to do the work. Amen. Amen. That's and the last thing I want to say today. Praise God. One, one more little point. Yes. Because we talked about the fear that the people received when they were given the Mosaic law. But yeah. in Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, Amen. but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. So the, I think that kind of seals it. Because that was Timothy what? That's Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Yes. Amen. All right, any statements, questions? Anything? Our statement that I have to make is, you know, when we're trying to do something that God has asked us to do, and it becomes very difficult for us, we just have to tell God, hey, you know what? You told me to do this. I can't do it by myself. And let him do it. Got to get out of the way. <laughs> there you go. All right. Who wants to close us in prayer? So I solicit your prayers. I solicit your support. Okay, I want to thank you for your time. For those of you who have been faithful, you know, supporting this work, for being involved, sharing these videos. Okay? Don't be, don't, don't, don't get weary. Don't be weary. Don't get tired. Your strength is supposed to come brighter and brighter every day. Okay? Keep pressing on. Share these videos with your family and friends. Start watch parties on Facebook. Go over these videos so your friends and family can discuss it. Okay? And continue to write us. Write me through Facebook. Write me through you know, the, the comment section here on YouTube. Okay? So I want to encourage you. Thank you so much for the way you've been supporting us. Thank you so much for all that you've been doing. We really appreciate it. Remember what I said, if you want to continue listening to us, you can always go, okay, to our website. You can see the online menu channels that you can get us through. Like I mentioned um, Apple's iTunes, I met Apple iTunes, I mentioned um, Spotify, and I think Google. You can also, you know, there are other platforms also through which you can hear us through audio, okay? I want to encourage you to subscribe to our channel and to, you know, Hit the like buttons. Hit the like buttons. I can't say that enough. Every time you watch these videos through YouTube, hit the like buttons. Now, if you're watching through Facebook or you're watching through some other video like WhatsApp, it's not going to show here, so you won't see a like. But if you're watching through YouTube, I want to encourage you. Or Facebook, wherever it is, I want to encourage you. Hit that like button. Okay? Hit that like button. It matters to us. Okay? Thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for everything that you've been doing, you know, by watching our videos. 